Matt, Joshua, Kira. The heart of Holy Mother Church is broken for you. I hate that you're going through this. You have known of everyone's prayers for your family for so long, but on behalf of the Church of the Ascension, the Diocese of Richmond, and the entire Universal Catholic Church, let me assure you again of our prayers. We all love you and your entire family so much. This morning, we come to lay Kim to a peaceful rest. We come to offer our prayers and our sadness and our hope of one day being reunited with her in the everlasting kingdom. St. Paul says, if one member suffers in the body of Christ, which is the church, all the members suffer with that member. So today, we come to suffer with you. The amount of pain we feel at this moment is in direct proportion to the amount of love that we have for Kim. Our love for her no longer finds its, finds its end in the person we knew, but seems to return to us empty, like the bird returning to the ark when it found no place to land. And since we no longer have Kim to give our love to, we come today, together, to offer our mutual sadness to the Lord. The Lord does not delight in our suffering or our sadness, but wants us to pour out our hearts to him with whatever they contain. When suffering and sadness or anger and grief are the only emotions that our heart can produce, then in prayer, we offer that to the Lord. We offer it on behalf of the repose of the soul of Kim. We all have our favorite way to remember Kim. I don't mean how we saw her in the last few years of sickness. I mean the image your mind goes to when I say Kimberly Hamrick. Our favorite memory of her may be surfing, slick back hair, smile on her face, eyes scanning the horizon. Maybe it's screaming dashboard confessional song, hands down, after your friends had a long day at the beach. Perhaps you remember her with a barbell in her hand and energy in her eyes encouraging you to keep going, whether it was a physical obstacle of the next rep or an obstacle of faith. Or maybe it's a beautiful memory of her as a mother interacting with her children, smile from ear to ear exuding love. I can't imagine the stress of not being able to mother the way you want. I can only imagine how hard it must have been for her to experience a body that was slowly able to do less and less until a simple conversation was exhaustingly taxing. And yet, less than 24 hours before she would go to the father, as she lay in that hospital bed, she was stunning. Of course, as only Kim could, she looked beautiful in a hospital bed. Amidst a sea of wires and tubing, but the beauty wasn't merely physical. In the hour or so that I was in that hospital room, I watched her offer everything she had for those present. Her effort and energy directed in fighting to stay alive, but also to care for others. All of her vitality engaged in staying awake and keeping a conversation going when all her body wanted was rest. Intermittent moments where she fell asleep and then snapped back again, apologizing for being so tired. Her eyes no longer scanning the horizon for an oncoming wave, but this time scanning the faces of the people in the room 
to see how she could serve them best. Hours before she would put into action everything she believed for decades, she spent her final interactions with some trying to spread the gospel. Listen, y'all, she said, you don't have a choice. Y'all have to watch The Chosen. <laughs> a living example of Galatians 2.20, when Paul claims, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live is, is in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Kimberly had suffered in the body so much that at the point I saw her in the hospital, I think she had completely given over control to the Lord. She had not given up, but she no longer desired to be in control. She lay in her sick bed and allowed the Lord to work through her. No agenda other than the desire that others would know the love of the Lord, the love that Kimberly felt every day, love that she lived out, bolstered by her vocation as a wife and mother, the fullest extent of motherhood, as she cared for all who walked into her hospital room equally, as if we were all children, coming to her in need, a missionary to the very end. The second reading proclaims, For I already am being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Everything St. Paul just said, I saw Kim actively live out, pouring herself out until she no longer could, keeping the faith and inspiring others, valiantly competing as her departure from us was ever closer at hand. The reading continues in this way, for the crown of righteousness awaits me. The Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the proclamation may be completed. I believe the words of the Lord because I saw them lived out in Kim. When Matt first let me know that they never made it to Nashville, I remember the news that knocked me off my feet was not that. It was not the fact that they were back in the hospital and the end was nearing, but rather the way that Matt confidently, without a tinge of fear in his voice, said this. I wouldn't expect her to make it through the weekend. But her faith, her faith, Father, has never been stronger. She's not afraid. Now, I have known Kim since I was 14 years old, and I met her and Matt in this very church. In fact, the night that I knew God existed and was real was during a youth group meeting here in Lent of the year 2000. I had a powerful encounter with God in upstairs in a dark corner, and there's actually a classroom there now. The space I was in doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> but I was having my life completely changed in that moment, and I walked down those stairs that you passed by at the foyer, and the first people, the very first people that I walked up to were Matt and Kim to help me process what this all meant. The first reading reminds us, be sincere of heart and steadfast, and do not be impetuous in your time of adversity. Since the year 2000, I have never known Kim to be impetuous in anything. She was no different in her time of adversity. Trust in God and he will help you. 
You that fear the Lord hope for good things, for lasting joy and mercy. This line jumped out at me when I was reading over the selections that Matt made for today. Exhortation to trust in the Lord is given by Jesus often in the Gospels, except he says it a little differently. Jesus says, do not be afraid. So do not be afraid. Trust in God and he will help you. This is what the scripture proclaims. Matt already told me that the Lord was helping Kim when he told me that she was fearless. You that fear the Lord hope for good things. Kim's middle name is Hope. Her naming was prophetic. You who fear the Lord hope for good things. This verse continues and names the good things that we should hope for. It names them lasting joy and mercy. This is a description of heaven. When we will be with the Lord and everything we need for perfect joy will be there as we experience the goodness of God forever. I know Kim was filled with hope for eternal joy and mercy. The promises of the Lord are true because I have seen them fulfilled. Kim was named after, after the virtue of hope. She lived her life with hope, knowing that the Lord was going to heal her, just unsure if it was going to be on this side or the other side of heaven, as she would say. I direct your attention to this Easter candle, the tall one sitting there that looks like it has a wave on it. We light this every year at the Easter Vigil to commemorate Christ's victory over sin and death. The Easter candle is lit only twice in an individual's life. First, when they are brought into the church for the first time during their baptism. The next time it is lit for that person is the final time they are brought into the church at their funeral. But this candle stands as a sentinel, reminding all of us who remain of the promises made at baptism. During baptism, the godparents of the baptized are handed a candle which is lit from that Easter candle, and they are instructed to keep the light of faith burning in the heart of the one who was just baptized. So when the baptized goes to God the Father, they would still have the light of faith burning in their hearts and enter their eternal reward. This internal light of faith is what guides Catholic Christians for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health on their path to holiness. The Easter candle stands shining in the brightness of our sadness, just as Kim's joy radiated through all her sickness. Now I have heard it said that the cure for most any problem is salt water. Tears, sweat, or the ocean. Now I'm not sure what combination of those I need right now, but I've been trying all three all week. Now, I mentioned having our own personal image we go to when I say the name Kimberly Hamrick. <laughs> Mine is of her as a young woman after college. On one of the many group surf trips we would take down to the Outer Banks, so much spirituality is tied to the ocean, and our gospel today contours our faith as the rolling waves change the shoreline. Maybe you've been surfing since you were nine, or maybe you've never walked on water, but let me tell you something about surfing. Virginia Beach seems to have waves that come in sets of three and four at a time, and if you know the waves are coming in sets of three or four, you can plan accordingly. Everyone out in the water chooses the wave that fits them best and goes for it. So, my friends, I suggest the same approach today for the healing accounts in our gospel. Pick one of the four, 
as if you were picking a wave in the lineup, and let that miracle speak to you today. The first is the healing of the leper. The second, Jesus heals the centurion's servant while not even being in the same town. Third, we have the healing of Peter's mother-in-law on her sickbed. Lastly, we have Jesus casting out demons throughout the countryside. The first two healings denote great faith, which lead to healing. The third is unmerited, gratuitous healing. The last miracle, that of casting out demons, is healing through deliverance from evil. While each single miracle is worthy of its own homily, I will direct your attention to one thing among the four accounts. In the miracle of Jesus healing the centurion's servant, he says to Jesus, Lord, I am unworthy that you should enter under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Jump with me to the fourth miracle and it says that Jesus drove out demons with a word and he cured them all. Say the word and he drove out demons with a word. What is this word that is so powerful? A word that once uttered heals physical illness and injury, but also casts out demons. This word can be no other than the name of Jesus. We have always taught in the church that Jesus is the Logos, a Greek word which means nothing more than word. Jesus is the word of God, the one word spoken by the Father at all time, containing in him every word that has been uttered or ever will be uttered. He is the word of God. The word when uttered that makes every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth bend. The mighty name of Jesus which heals and casts out evil. This is the name that we believe in. The name we call upon in trial. It's the name we sang of in Psalm 63 when we sang, Thus I will bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. The mighty name of Jesus was the one that Kim called upon in prayer while I was in that hospital room. Toward the end of my last visit with her, there were only a few of us in that room. Matt was actually pulled out by the doctors into the hallway, and there were only a few of us. Kim finally had a minute to consider her own needs. Her sister Sarah was ever vigilant in anticipating Kim's necessities, and she knew that Kim was famished. So Sarah handed Kim her lunch and encouraged her to talk less and eat more so that she could have a little more strength. Kim, being ever so docile, agreed, took her food, put it on the hospital tray table, and then without warning, started an audible conversation with God. It started out as her saying grace just for her food and then quickly evolved into her praying for whomever came to mind. Those of us that remained, or maybe it was just me, are used to the standard Catholic warp speed grace, and this was not to be the case. With hours of life left, she was in no rush. Like Peter's mother-in-law in the gospel, Kim lay in her bed waiting for the Lord to come by and heal her, and she trusted that it would happen at the perfect time, and it certainly did. Unlike the leper, who was healed by the touch from Jesus, the multiple anointings of the sick that Kim received at my own hands and the hands of other priests did not heal her. She did not receive healing from afar from all the prayers and well wishes over many multiple years. 
She did not receive healing in the hospital bed like Peter's mother-in-law when the Lord came by. She received healing through deliverance. She was delivered from this life of strife and suffering to the eternal mercy and joy that she hoped for. Our gospel ends today quoting the book of Isaiah. He took away our infirmities and bore our diseases. Matt expressed to me that Kim loved this scripture and believed in the promises of the Lord because she was seeing them fulfilled. At every demoralizing turn and new bout of bad news, at every hospitalization and lack of ability, at every moment of pain and sadness of not being able to be with her children, she was surrendering, not giving up, surrendering her will to the Lord. As Matt described, she was able to see the face of God clearer and clearer as she surrendered over and over again. And I know this to be true. This is why she was radiant in the hospital. Because she had the love of God deep in her heart where no pain or sadness can get to it. And she held on to it so tightly because it was giving her strength to continue. This love of God in her heart radiated out to others and cannot be destroyed by death. The hope that the, I'm sorry, the hope of the church is that she is experiencing more fully the loving gaze of the Father for eternity. Kim has gone to the Father. We pray she rests in the Father's house, in the place that Christ prepares for her. We pray for our own grief, that we may be consoled by one another and by God. Let us walk from this church today, holding fast to our own faith, knowing our God knows intimately our grief and our hope. We should never dismiss our feelings or pray for them to be taken away because they remind us of the deep love we still have for Kim. We walk forth from this church today, sure in faith, secure in hope, and strengthened by love, confident that we will see Kim again. Eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. May her soul and all the souls of the faithful departed, the mercy of God, rest in peace.